Welcome back to the Finley Capital Podcast. My name is Logan Ricchetti. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Hard Money Handbook. You can go to www.hardmoneyhandbook.com to download a free report to learn how to use hard money loans to fund your real estate deals. Also brought to you by the Facebook group, Powered by Private. If you are a real estate investor that wants to learn more about how to use private capital to fund your deals, or you have capital to lend and you want to learn how to safely deploy that capital into private deals, that's the group that you want to be in. Powered by Private on Facebook. Today, I want to continue my conversation about LendSafe. LendSafe is processing, underwriting, and servicing services that we are going to be providing for our private lender affiliate pals. So I want to talk about what that product, what that service actually entails, what it looks like, and how to install that into your lending operation. Or if you're just a borrower and you want to hear more about how a private loan is underwritten, stay tuned because we're going to talk about it. Like I said on previous episodes, LendSafe is a service that we're providing to Finley Capital and also to some of our affiliate lenders that want to contract us for this service. And basically what it is, is it takes the middleman out of the process. It takes that operations, that processing, underwriting, funding, and servicing steps of the life cycle away from the private lender. And it offloads those into us for a fee, for a nominal fee, a very reasonable fee. And basically it allows the borrower or the operator to generate more borrower deals and raise more capital and not have to worry about the infrastructure in the middle. So if you're a private lender that's small, just starting or doesn't have a big balance sheet, or you're a private individual that has a million bucks or half a million bucks to lend and you don't wanna build a big infrastructure or a big team to run your lending operation, stay tuned because LendSafe is the solution to the problem and I wanna tell you how to install it into your business. Full disclosure, I'm still building this process, but it is relatively simple once you set it up and very easy to integrate into a private lending operation. So here we go, LendSafe looks at several different aspects of the transaction and we underwrite each one individually, starting with the borrower. Then we look at the borrower's entity. Then we look at the subject property. Then we look at the property insurance, the title insurance, and the loan docs, and the closing statement. So those are the six elements that we really underwrite in detail. And basically, whether you're underwriting your own deals or whether you're hiring us at LendSafe to underwrite your deals for you, this is what you need to do. And by the way, when you hire LendSafe to underwrite your deals for you, we charge the borrower a processing fee on the closing statement. So you, as the private lender, do not have to pay for the service, which is great. And if you're not charging a processing fee now, you're not losing any revenue. If you are charging a processing fee now, you're losing some revenue, but you're trading some time and some possibly you know, infrastructure or payroll that you don't need anymore or that you don't need to hire. So it's a really good trade. But here we go. We start with the borrower. When you are underwriting a private loan, you want to talk to your borrower and you want to see some things. You want to learn some things about the borrower. You want to check their driver's license. You want to run their credit. You want to check their background. You want to check their bank statements. You want to check their liquidity statements. You want to see what their schedule of real estate owned currently is. This is a big one. People don't think about it. If you're making a private loan to a borrower, you want to know if they have other projects currently under construction, if they are leveraged in other deals or not. You also want to see what real estate they own. Do they own 100 units? Are they fully leveraged? Do they have no leverage? Do they have all kinds of equity in other properties? Can you cross, can you cross collateralize another piece of real estate that that borrower owns to minimize or mitigate the risk on this other loan? These are things that you want to look at for the borrower. You also want to talk to the borrower. You want to do you know, an interview. You want to have references checked. You want to check their social media. You want to take a look at their primary residence. You want to take a 
look at what job they have. You want to look at some bank statements. You want to see, you know, what, how much capital they have available. There's a lot of things that you want to look at when you're looking at just the borrower. You can look at all the details and you can really ask questions and you can get a feel for the borrower. You want to ask the borrower, you know, what's your plan for the deal? What's your plan for the exit strategy? What are you going to do if the exit strategy doesn't work? What are you going to do if the, if the deal goes longer than you thought? What are, what are you going to do if the deal goes over budget? These are questions that you can ask systematically to each borrower. You know, tell me about your plan for the property. Tell me about your plan for the renovation. Tell me about your relationship with your general contractor. What are you going to do if you find out that there's a foundation repair that you didn't see coming? What's your plan to mitigate that problem? And you can ask questions and you can interview the borrower and see what they have to say and listen to their answers and see if they have a plan. Are they problem solvers? Are they somebody who's going to shirk responsibility if something goes wrong? Or are they going to step up and handle the problem? Because let me tell you something, when you're underwriting a deal, it doesn't matter if it's the best deal in the world. If the operator isn't capable or competent or ethical or, you know, of, of high morals, you know, character, you're going to have a problem. It doesn't matter if the deal is terrible. If you have a great operator with a good ethical, you know, responsibility and they're going to solve the problem, you don't have a lot of risk. The risk really comes in when the borrower doesn't perform in a bad situation. So you got to really underwrite the borrower. That's the key. And then you move on to the entity. So when you're looking at an entity, you're looking at the LLC formation, you're looking at the EIN number, you're looking at the operating agreement, you're looking for the certificate of good standing for an entity certification if they have one. Uh, you want to look at this operating agreement and you want to see who the members are. You want to see who has signing authority. You want to see what the ownership entity percentages are. Are they 50-50? Are they 51-49? Who's in charge? Who calls the shots? What happens in the event of a problem? How much capital contribution has been made into the entity? How is the entity's bank statements looking? Does the entity have enough uh, liquidity in it to fund the deal and manage the renovations and pay the closing fees? All these things you want to look at to make sure... There's no problem with the entity because if you're making a private loan, it should be a business purpose loan made to an entity, not an individual. So they have to have an entity. If they don't have an entity, then they need to, then they need to open one and you need to make sure it's legal and fully compliant and fully in good standing with the state in which it was formed and in the state in which you're doing business. Also, you know, when you're underwriting the entity and the deal, you want to make sure that the borrowers are bringing their own money to the table. So the entity is bringing the money to the table. If not, you want to know if they have a gap lender. You want to know if they have a second position lender. You want to know if they don't have the capital available to do the renovation or do the, you know, the down payment where it's coming from. That is a whole different conversation I don't even want to get into right now, but it's important that you know the source of funds and that you know the exit strategy for the entity. How are they going to dispose of this property? Are they going to sell it or are they going to refinance it? If they're going to refinance it, what kind of lender are they going to use that can refinance a an LLC out of a hard money loan? How many months is it going to take before that loan will be able to be refinanced? What's the loan to value they're looking at? Who's the lender they're talking to? You want to underwrite everything you can with the actual entity itself and look at their exit strategy to make sure that it is indeed executable. Once you've looked at the borrower, once you've looked at the entity and the exit strategy and all that stuff, then you move on to the subject property. Now, with the subject property, you're looking really at three things. You're looking at the as-is value, the scope of work renovation budget, and then the after repair value. Those are the three main elements that you want to underwrite. So first and foremost, you look at the purchase agreement, you look at any addendums, you look at the condition of the property. So you either want to do a site inspection, a physical walkthrough, a virtual walkthrough, you want to underwrite the photos and the videos, you want to look at 
its as-is value and make sure that the borrower is actually not overpaying for the property based on what it's worth. Now, that's kind of tricky to do, but there are some ways you can analyze the as-is value of a renovation project before it started. And one of those is to look at the days on market, look at comps that have sold, comps that are available, things like that. But also you can use a cost approach and kind of reverse engineer the after repair value minus the renovation scope of work minus some profit and holding costs equals, you know, the maximal available offer. And that's, you know, subjective, if you will. But you want to look at the as is value. The biggest thing that you want to look at, though, is the condition of the property, the neighborhood. What is the actual physical condition of the property right now? What does it need? And make sure that the borrower is not overpaying for the property in its as is condition. But even if they are, if you have that borrower putting 20 or 30 or 40% down on the purchase price of the property, that's going to mitigate a lot of the risk of the purchase price being too high, if indeed it was too high, because your loan exposure on that deal will be closer to reality than it otherwise would have been if you had lent 100% of the purchase price, which you should never, ever do, ever. So that's a big way to mitigate that on the front end. Just look at the purchase price, look at the condition, make sure you're getting good skin in the game from the borrower. And by the way, usually these borrowers know the areas better than you do anyway, because they're doing the deal. They're putting their money up. If that borrower is putting 20 or 30 or $40,000 down on a property, he or she should know what it's worth as is and, and renovated. But again, the more skin in the game you have, the, the more risk mitigation you have on your end as the lender. So then you look at the scope of work. Now, this is a lot more tricky. It's a lot more nuanced and, and, and difficult to quantify accurately than you know other parts of the underwriting process, but yet, nevertheless, very important. So you wanna look at a couple things. You wanna look at what the scope of work provided was by the borrower, what they provided, how much it totaled, and then you wanna cross-reference that with a couple things. First, you wanna look at the costs of the renovations in the scope of work and decide if you agree with the estimates of the costs. What is the dollar per square foot for flooring? What is the uh, cost for a new kitchen? What is the cost for an appliance package? How much do they have budgeted for landscaping? How much do they have budgeted for cabinets, countertops, uh, trim, doors, windows, whatever they're doing, roof, insulation, whatever, whatever they have in their scope of work, how does the costs associated with each line item line up to reality in terms of our expectation of the real costs? So that's one thing you look at. The next thing you look at is you cross-reference their scope of work with the condition of the property and see if everything lines up. So for example, if they have nothing in line item for the roof, but you can tell the roof is caving in or falling over or really old, and you know they're gonna to need to replace it, that is missing, it should be included. So that needs to be adjusted on the scope of work. And so if a scope work goes from 30,000 up to 40,000, you know, your loan amount is going to change and your exposure levels need to change to reconcile that difference. So it's very, very, very important that you look at the scope of work and that you underwrite it for both its accuracy, for total cost, estimated total cost, make sure it has some contingency in it, but also cross-reference that scope of work itself to the condition of the property, make sure they line up. Also, major red flag, if you see if you see costs inflated or understated, Either one of those should be a major red flag on the deal that either you have an unethical borrower or an incompetent borrower. Either way, don't want to do that deal. In other words, if the borrower's scope of work is way off, way too low. I got one the other day. It was like a $20,000 renovation. They sent me the pictures of the house. I'm like, dude, you got a hundred grand here. And he said, well, you know, I, I could do a lot of the work myself. And I said, nope. No, thank you. Loan denied. He said, what? What do you mean loan denied? I said, loan denied, bro. You got a $100,000 renovation here. You asked for $20,000 on the scope of work. You don't know what you're doing. I'm not lending you money. And I'm sorry because I don't want, you know, I don't want to make you feel bad. But but you know, you're asking for to, to borrow money. You need to know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Either you lied or you don't know. Either way, I can't do the loan. That's a big, big deal. It doesn't happen very often where a bad scope of work comes in. But if you get a bad scope of work, you should automatically not approve the loan. Loan denial right there.
because either you have somebody who doesn't know how to build a scope of work or does know and they're manipulating it. Either way, no thank you. Once you've analyzed and underwritten that scope of work, then you look at the next factor, which is one of the arguably one of the most important is the after repair value. After repair value is pretty simple. It's what the property is worth when it's fixed up. However, it's not that easy all the time. There are some things that you need to think about, considerations you need to make, and I'll give you a couple right now. The after repair value of the property can vary based on degree of finishings, selections, choices, levels of, you know, a builder grade finish versus a custom grade finish versus a, an economy break. You know, there's all these different levels of finishes. So when you're underwriting an after repair value, you need to understand what the scope of work includes in terms of finishing levels. And one way to do that is to talk to the borrower and see other jobs I've done in the past and ask them how their renovation, you know, materials list compares to those and kind of underwrite those and see what they look like and then make an adjustment from there. You also need to figure out a way to adjust subjectively a little bit between your expected after repair value condition versus the comps that you're using to, to come up with that value. In other words, if you're going to have a builder grade finishings throughout, then you want to either compare to other builder grade finishing products or adjust down if the other ones are much, much nicer or adjust up if the other ones are not as nice. But you have to be conservative. That's the bottom line. You want to be really, really conservative with this after repair value. One of the things at Finley Capital that we do is we always track the actual after repair value ratio compared with our estimated after repair value. In other words, if we thought a property was going to be worth 200,000 when it was fixed up and it ended up being worth 190 when it was fixed up, we were wrong. We were too high on our estimated after repair value. Now I will tell you 19 out of 20 after repair value actual ratios for Finley Capital are higher than we anticipated, which is what you want. You want your actual after repair values to end up being higher than you anticipated because what that means is you're making loans that are less risky. You're, you're making loans based off a lower assumption of the after repair value. And one of the reasons that you want to be extra concerned on your after repair value estimate is because market conditions can change and you can't always account for that. So if you have a deal that starts on January 1st, you're going to list it on July 1st, that's six months. The market could have shifted down in that time. I know we're not used to that, but it can happen. So you want to make sure that you're underwriting that deal at 190 instead of 200. If they get 200 or 205, then great. They did even better. But if the property comes in at 190, your loan exposure is still where it should be. And the borrower was realistic in their expectation of the ARV and they're not basing their profit on a higher ARV hope that maybe doesn't come to fruition. So that's very important. Borrower, entity, and property. Those are the main elements of the underwriting. And then you switch into more of the administrative and the paperwork stuff. So let's go into that next. Okay, when your borrower requests money to borrow, you know, request to borrow money on a deal, he or she needs to get insurance to protect him or herself and of course to protect you. You want liability insurance. You want vacant policy and builder's risk coverage on that policy. You want to be the insured lender on that policy. And you want to have language on that policy that allows it to be assigned to a co-lender down the road. Very important. So you got to make sure they have adequate policy amount. They have the right coverages. They have the right language included. And you want to make sure that they have bound that policy and paid for the entire premium for the term upfront. That's one of the things that we at Finley Capital require. At LendSafe, we, we suggest our, our operators require the same as well. It's very important that whoever is on the policy has that mailing address so that any notifications of a lapse or a change in coverage goes to the operator that can be then processed and reinstated right away. Very important. I like to have the deck page done and the proof of payment done prior to funding the loan. So I know that that coverage is bound and paid for. So it's not going to lapse. Very important. Okay. Same thing with the title insurance. Now 
Your title insurance company does not represent you as the lender, by the way. You do not have a fiduciary duty, and, and frankly, your best interests are not necessarily aligned. So you need to make sure your borrower requests lender's title coverage. You need to make sure that you are the insured lender. You need to make sure it's for the correct amount. You need to make sure it has the correct assignment language in it. And you need to make sure it has the correct endorsements and uh, they don't put a bunch of exceptions in there that cut you out from a lot of the coverage that you really need to have. The best way to handle title insurance endorsements and exceptions is to subcontract that to your attorney to do the negotiating on your behalf. And that's what we do at LendSafe. We have LendDocs, which is part of that service where our third-party attorney provides the title review, negotiates the exceptions and the endorsements, provides the loan docs, and works directly with the title company to make sure everything is in line. Which brings me to the last section of this underwriting, which is the loan docs itself. Again, we have this loan docs product. We basically subcontract the loan package to our third-party attorney. They provide the loan docs. They provide all the terms based on the loan. They customize the loan docs as necessary. They have all the incorporated elements, state-specific things that you and I don't know about. Uh, they got their personal guarantee, the escrow agreement, the promissory note, the mortgage, the assignment of rents. They got all that stuff in there. And it's a 99-page document that they provide. They charge the borrower a third-party fee at closing, so we don't have to. But as the underwriter, we still need to review those documents to make sure they're provided properly. They got all the right terms in them. They get delivered properly to the title company on time and everything is good. So that's really what you have for LendSafe. You got borrower, entity, property, property insurance, title insurance, doc prep and review. And then depending on if you're going all the way into servicing with us, we can provide loan servicing services with you, which basically means that we help collect the payments, we track the payments, we distribute the payments according to a schedule of based on who the co-lender or co-lenders are, and we handle all of that interaction, including draw management, draw releases, borrower payment collection, investor payment distributions, reporting, all that stuff. And then of course, when you get to a loan repayment, we provide the loan uh, payoff statement, manage it all without touching it, and then help that operator get from loan application all the way to loan repayment with as few keystrokes, with as few inputs as possible. That operator can go find borrowers, raise capital, make deals, and go get them.